Life Radio. Stories at the intersection of music and life. Hello and welcome to another episode of Music Life Radio. I'm your host, Dan Sauter. Music Life Radio is a free podcast available on iTunes and your interwebs at musicliferadio.com and features interviews and stories about and related to music. Today on the program we feature Carlos Guitarlos in part two of his interview. Today we focus on Carlos Guitarlos' solo recordings. He's done five albums since the uh, early 2000 time period. And we're going to get into the makeup of each of the bands for those albums. Uh, he has some very famous and impressive talent that recorded on each one of these. We're going to hear some samples and Carlos is going to tell us stories about songs from those albums. So sit back and relax to part two of the interview with Carlos Guitarlos, this one entitled Straight From The Heart. In 2003, uh, on Wednesday, April 30th, uh, when the record came out straight from the heart, my, my nephew came up the, the, night be- the night before, said, I'm not staying in this crappy hotel, <laughs> which is an SRO, means single room occupancy. occupancy yeah. It should mean standing room only. <laughs> it's <laughs> so small. Not for a bed. <laughs> yeah. And your guitar. The bed glued to the wall yeah. uh, upright, you know. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so... Um, they would always give me the best room so I could leave my equipment there and everything mm-hmm. locked and all, and they watched it. Mm-hmm. It was right where they were seeing people as they came in and out. So I was always cool there. So on that day, it came out, and we called the guy Bob ba- Bob Baker of the LA Times. Mm-hmm. It was his last major story. My nephew says, Bob, it's not in there. You've told us it would be in there. I've come up here, and, and I want to go, you know, and blah, blah, blah. My nephew drove up, and he goes, Look at the front page, and he hangs up kind of perturbed because we're mm-hmm. so dumb to look in the paper. Yeah, yeah. So we look in the front page, and there it is, page one column on all over the world yeah, yeah. under two titles, Not Fade Away and uh, The Ballad of Carlos G- Guitarlos. Yeah. Depending on who, what, but the evening or morning edition or evening. It was received all over the world with five-star reviews. It never got a bad review. It had Mike Watt on a song called Ain't That Loving You. 
Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and he brought an organ player, a B3, hauled it in a big road case across some cobblestones, came to the door. And, oh, there's already a B3 here. So they left it outside and covered it with the tarp. <laughs> yeah. but, but he paid for that guy to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't want any money. He just did it as a favor. Yeah. And because um, when they were like three fat hippie kids with long hair and everybody thought they were weird, we used to, we used to play shows with them. Mm-hmm. He's a real yeah. nice guy. He's a real smart guy and a good bass player. Yeah, he's played in a lot of and, and he can play solid and straight instead of always his experimental stuff. Yeah, yeah. He was doing that. I said, man, here, play this. Bum, 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 bum. And then over here, play Fontella Bass. Boom, bum, 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 bum. Then come to the five. Boom, bum, 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 bum. And so he picked it up right, right away. Yeah, so let's back up just a little bit. So you had suffered from a congestive heart failure. And diabetes and all that Diabetes. Stuff. You were in the hospital. You were writing the record in the oh, hospital, yeah. right? Yeah, there I am in the hospital, ready yeah. to be operated on the, the very next morning. My ex-wife and Eloise are there visiting, and I'm um, just about dead for the millionth time. <laughs> and uh, so I wrote that song on one of my deathbeds. Mm-hmm. I whispered the words to Marilyn because I, I could hardly talk. Mm-hmm. I could hardly talk. I had no energy. It was out of it dying and uh she wrote the words down and three days later when i was able to be coherent Mm -hmm. she came back with the guitar knowing that i had the arrangement in my head from being in my sleep for two days and i did i didn't know that i did but Uh i did i picked up the guitar and played it all the way through now it's not a song that i heard before yeah just wrote the lyrics but you figured it out uh, in your Which mind. is, yeah. Lord, won't you help me? I've fallen again straight from the heart. You can hear my tear when you call in again. Help me make a new start. It's been years and years since we talked just as friends straight from the heart. And then about my life going downhill, it was, it's, it's been one spit in the wind, two strikes I can't win. You've been calling me, calling me, calling me. Come back again. Lord, won't you help me? I've fallen again straight from the heart. So I got the guitar and played it all the way through. Mm-hmm. And... That's how that song came about. Yeah. Lord, won't you help me? I've fallen again. Straight from the heart. You can hear my cheer when you're calling again. Help me make a new start. It's been years and years since we talked just as friends. Straight from the heart. It's been one spit in the wind Two strikes I can't win You've been calling me, calling me, calling me Come back again Lord, won't you help me? I've fallen again Straight from the heart Lord, 
won't you help me? I've fallen again Straight from the heart And then um, after I straightened myself up and I went back into a bit of crap, uh, Top Jimmy died. Mm-hmm. So that was the, the next morning I swore up everything. You were like, yeah. I still drink beer once in a while. Yeah, yeah. After years. Yeah. Uh, but Jimmy died. So, he, he was in pretty bad shape at the ends, right? Well, he was yellow. Yeah, yeah. John doesn't. He was bigger than you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, living in Vegas with his sister. Mm-hmm. She was taking care of him. Yeah. But then uh, that Straight From The Heart was page one column one all over the world. Got rave reviews. It was considered the best blues record in 20 years. And it wasn't a blues record, yeah. really. Yeah. I mean, the first song is a Cajun. More Cajun song. Body Mr. Seppin' from Pat Chabalaya. Second song. Boom. The love I want. And that's, I know that's, I know Love I Want's a good song because Steve Cropper likes it. Yeah, well, there you go. Now, how did you assemble the musicians for that album? You've got, you just mentioned Mike Watt, but you also had Dave, Dave, Dave Alvin. Alvin. Well, he, I said, Dave, can you play on something? Yeah. He goes, sure. Yeah. He didn't take any money either. He's, he's a great person. Yeah, John Doe, you He's do. a good player, a nice person. Too, yeah. He's a little shy, but yeah. I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> but he's a, he's a good person. He'll do anything for uh-huh. you. Yeah. And, uh, and, and John Doe sang a country song with me. Now, yeah. a country song. And Dave's on a rockabilly song. How old is a pop? A song about shooting up. It's a song about Jimmy. How old is a pop? And a bump and my baby won't set my line. A driving kind of a rockabilly song. So it goes from a Cajun to a soul ballad, The Love I Want, to Ain't That Loving You, a slice of Motown. Ain't that loving you with uh, with with Mike Watt to a, a waltz straight from the heart. Mm-hmm. One two three, dun, 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 dun. it's a waltz. It's a great album. Yeah, and it was not. Is there one? There's one or two blue songs, right? Yeah, I'd say just a couple. They don't know what to do with it. They don't know. Well, yeah, they always want to try to classify. But if you got so. the only two five two five star reviews. From the Times of London. It's not called the Times of London, just called the Times. Uh-huh. Nothing to do with the LA Times. Yeah. It's about a maybe almost a 500-year-old newspaper now, yeah, yeah, yeah. 400 and something. Yeah. And David Sinclair, the biggest snob in the world, <laughs> um, gave it a five-star review for the record. Then I went over there with Marcy Levy, or Marcella Detroit, and, and Bill from the Ivy Room, who's, who's playing with me uh, while I'm up here, and this drummer named Osmus Jensen, who went to all the major U.S. cities' blues scenes, played for uh, six, seven months, played with everybody, even for nothing sometimes, mm. so that when they go to Europe, they all use him. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, Joe Lewis Walker uses yeah. him over there. Did a live record with him. Didn't tell him what they were doing, just counted it off, and they did it. He's a good drummer. Yeah. Osmus Jensen from Denmark. So your uh, nephew helped you produce your first couple albums, The first right? two. First two. Straight from the Heart yep. with Mike Watt, John Doe, and Dave Alvin, and Hell Can Wait. Isn't that a, isn't that a great yeah, name? <laughs> Hell Can Wait. It's been waiting. And, and um, <laughs> the first song on that is acoustic by myself. It's uh, like a Skip James style song. Then the last one's acoustic. It's like a Tom Waits kind of a song. Mm-hmm. I've Been Dead Since You've Been Gone. What a cheery <laughs> title. And uh, everything else in between is a full studio record with... Organs and horn sections. I, I wrote the horn sections mm-hmm. and keyboards and organs and acoustic pianos and backup singers and harmonicas and 
strings and just everything. And uh, that was when Marcy Levy heard me, uh, uh, Barry Goldberg from the Blues Project, mm -hmm. from Two Jews Blues, and from the uh, Electric Flag, played with Mike Bloomfield all those years mm -hmm. in different bands. Barry Goldberg, the piano player who wrote, Really got to use my imagination. That Gladys Knight did. Sure, yeah, yeah. Mega, mega yeah. number one. Um, he was in he was in Marcy Levy's band, and um, so he told her about me. I played my first show in L.A. Uh, behind Straight from the Heart at Cozy's. Well, after playing the um, that big record store like they have at the end of Haight Street, what's it, what's it called? Uh, Amoeba. Amoeba, yeah, yeah. It was, a lot of people showed up. It was packed. Mm -hmm. A whole gigantic store, mm -hmm. bigger than the one on Haight Street, mm -hmm. packed. They didn't do any business mm -hmm. while we were there. <laughs> but then they sold all my records out, so that yeah. was good. Well, my good. nephew went and got more in the car, signed yeah. some papers, and, and they went. Uh, I did my first gig, and uh, Barry brought her. I didn't know who she was. Mm -hmm. I knew Barry, but I didn't talk to him. I didn't, I didn't want to bother him. And this woman came up and said, I'd like to buy a, something. So I said, well, what do you do? She goes, I'm a songwriter. So I didn't know she was a great songwriter mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. number ones and everything and had the fastest rising British single ever, Stay by Shakespeare's sister mm. under the name Marcella Detroit. She wrote Lay Down Sally oh, wow. um, for Eric Clapton. She was in the mm -hmm. band for seven, eight years. She was, in, she was in my band for three for the music, not for the money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, I say, well, I'm going to sell you this for like 10. And it's just a disc. Of all the songs recorded for Straight from the Heart, there were another uh -huh. 10 or 12. Yeah. She goes, I think I'd like that. I go, it's not mixed. But she goes, I, I, I like your story and my friend over there, Barry. And I go, oh, you, you know Barry Goldberg? Yeah. Um, tell me about you. She goes, I think I'd like to have this instead of a record. So I sold it to her. Yeah. And, um, and she still has it. And then she started, and then she called over to the house and said, uh, set up a call. She said, my name's Marcy Levy. I wrote this. I played with, like, named off 30, 40 great number one things she was with or on or mm -hmm. for or sang in or helped write and her whole history, kind of in a nutshell, which would be me or her. Mm -hmm. or her. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then we just started talking. We talked for three or four hours the first time, mm -hmm. playing songs and stuff. And she lives in Thousand Oaks. And we became best friends and muses, mm -hmm. muses of each other. Yeah. And she's a pretty good, great singer, one of the best in the business, and uh, real range. She went over to England and did that pop star to opera star, mm -hmm. kind of like a mix of X Factor, American Idol, and, and The Voice. Mm -hmm. And you, you really had to be able to sing. Yeah. And she should have won it, but she didn't. It went to a more popular vote. Mm -hmm. But she sang the first three weeks, four weeks, the most difficult aria starting with. It's, it's, it's the mm -hmm. most diva song there is. yeah. And the next week was the second most diva. They kept giving her that, mm -hmm. not to knock her out, but to show that she could, could do, do it. it. Yeah. And, and she did that show because she, Pavarotti was supposed to be one of the mentors. He ended up not being. Mm -hmm. She's done things all her life. Look up Marcy Levy, L-E-V-Y, or Marcella Detroit. She's mm -hmm. from Detroit. Mm -hmm. Her first break out of her own band was, playing, was singing behind uh, in the 70s early uh, when she was real young. Back in singing behind uh, Bob Seger in his in his big years, mm -hmm. and then she met Leon Russell, who ended up being a boyfriend and was on Shelter. So when Clapton, who stole her band twice, yeah, wants yeah. to do Layla and wants to do something else, Fifty One Fifty or Ocean Avenue or the one in the Bahamas or somewhere uh -huh. in Florida, 
she was stuck to an 18-month contract through Leon Russell mm. to sing and play with, with their acts at Shelter. And that guy from Shelter Records, David? I don't know. The billionaire. David Geffen? Yeah. David? yeah. Okay. As gay as he was, he uh, was after her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah please. Yeah, yeah. So um, he's still, he's still in, madly in love with her. Mm. So um, <laughs> after 18 months, she tracked down Clapton in the studio. Mm-hmm. And said, motherfucker, I want my band back. <laughs> Just walked right up to him while they were recording, walked right into the room, and and he goes, well, why don't you join my band? Yeah, yeah. Because they might have gone, you know, uh-huh. with her, because she's good. <laughs> and so then they wrote songs together and stuff. Hmm. The core, Lay Down Sally and stuff. Uh-huh. And then he, he would let Marcy play guitar if she wanted to or sing some songs during the set besides mm-hmm. backup. That's when Yvonne Elman was with her mm-hmm. as a duo singer behind him. That was a good combination. Mm-hmm. You can hear them both on Lay Down Sally. Marcy wrote Lay Down Sally. Uh, Eric Clapton said, I want to write a song called Lay Down Sally. Well, how's it go? I don't know. What are the chords? I don't know. Just the title. Yeah, yeah. So later on, she's drinking at this fancy bar, like, you know, whatever, you know. Big that's where she drink. was drinking. <laughs> this place her and Eric used to just to go just to calm down because mm-hmm. they wouldn't bother him. So she's there, and she hears this guy talking to this girl, trying to hustle her to go to his house. Yeah, yeah. And they're kind of friends or something is what she picks up. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, come to my house. Just lay down, r- <laughs> relax. Her name wasn't Sally. But so she started writing the song. And the song was originally written like a Bo Diddley. Bump, dump, 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 bump, 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 dump, dump, bump. Lay down, Sally. It was originally written like that. Then George Terry, her guitar player from her, before Eric Clapping got a hold of him, and she was stuck in a contract at Shelter. Clark, uh, George Terry, I think, uh, the, whoever the guitar player was, and uh, Eric Clapton took it and reworked it into that uh, Jerry Reed kind of Telecaster playing. Just a few notes here and there, mm-hmm. and then a, a gliding. That kind of style that was real popular then, you know, where you... Where you play a strat in between the pickups, <laughs> if you want to be cool, <laughs> or, or else just use a telly, but like a real one that yeah. sounds right. Yeah. And uh, so she wrote the song, and they changed it around, and they, so they got credit on it too. But she's written a lot of songs for a lot of people, a lot of big songs. So uh, Marcy's on it, and so is David from the Lobos. Okay, yep. he's on two songs. He's on. He's singing backup and playing accordion on Keep Me Satisfied. Like a Tex-Mex thing. Mm-hmm. But it started out like a Johnny Cash song when I wrote it. Uh, during 1997, during the three-day period, I wrote 30, in two and a half day period, I wrote 32 songs. Because <laughs> I wasn't high and I had no money for a beer. Yeah. <laughs> so I figured I'd write some songs. I had a, I had a tape recorder. Uh-huh. That was about it in an empty room. And I wrote. 32 songs, and most of them were almost for two records. Mm. Mm-hmm. They were all good songs, I guess, yeah. enough to get in a record. So I wrote, it was like a Johnny Cash song. I can't seem to find my way. Won't you walk with me? Down the road, around the bend, to eternity. Come on, walk. And then Marcy and David sing back up. Come on, walk right by my side. So close to me Here by my side For eternity So true and strong 
And uh, and it has the the great Gene Taylor considered by all players and all critics the greatest blues piano player. Yeah, he was in the Blasters and he was in the Thunderbirds for thirteen years. Mm. Uh, for yeah, thirteen years now he lives in Belgium. He's coming in a couple of weeks to play a month of gigs up and down the coast with the Blasters and with the Gene Taylor Band. Okay, which is the Blasters without Phil. Mm-hmm. But Phil's not crazy anymore because he doesn't get high yeah. anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Phil Phil died twice in uh, uh, Spain. Uh, I remember hearing something about that. He died twice in yeah, Spain. Yeah. And this little nurse that nobody cared about saved him twice. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The next record is uh, Handsome Wolf. I don't know how Craig Parker Adams came up with that name. I didn't. <laughs> Usually my titles of the record have to do something or are in one of the songs on the record. But that's okay. He had mistaken something I said. Yeah. Thought it was Handsome Wolf. Oh, I thought that's what you said. <laughs> so um, it ended up being handsome. With that, that was now, done who, live. Who is uh, Craig Parker Adams? How'd you hook up with him? Well, Craig Parker Adams came up to me at a gig and said, do you want to record some songs at my place? And I hear that all the time. So, yeah, yeah. Of course, I didn't care, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to go through a yak and roll. I don't do much talking. Then he told me what he was doing and how he ran his studio uh, with no advertising and that Jack Tempson was always there recording once or twice a month. Mm-hmm. Jack Tempson, who has four or five songs on the Eagles' greatest hits ever. Jack Tempson wrote uh, Peaceful, Easy Feeling and a bunch of other Eagle songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jackson Browns covers the songs, everybody. He's a really good songwriter. So Jack Tempson, with his hundreds, millions, I guess, uh, does a lot of recording there. And the knitters have done their last three, four things. Dave Alvin does everything there, uh, like for his one-off releases for his label or yeah. for his uh email stuff or mm. whatever he's always in there with um with with a great greg lease or don hebbington the drummer or, mm. or uh bob glob the bass player oh greg just got up a tour with with eric with eric clavin mm. he was just supposed to play a little bit during the show on on lap steel yeah. when he heard him play he changed his whole show to be focused around him mm. like to take all those like um ba-da-da-dum you know, you look wonderful tonight. Yeah. Uh, he So Greg ended up doing all those little lead-ins and stuff. It sounded so pure. And he's a great guitar player, Greg, Greg Lees. So all these people work out of Craig Parker's place. And um, and all, um, so when he told me that, I figured, well, there must be something to it. And he doesn't <laughs> advertise. So people come back and it's, it's, it's word of mouth. Word of mouth, yeah. We went and we, we became friends. We went and recorded there. Now, Eddie, uh, Craig Parker Adams growing up was a big Eddie Van Halen fan. Mm-hmm. And Eddie Van Halen and those guys used to come see our band a lot. Yeah. And they wanted to do my song, I've Been Drinking Again, like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to, um, so they ended up writing a song about us called Top, Top Jimmy. Jimmy yeah. From the, the album that had Jump, 1984, is what it was called. Yeah. Came out basically in 85. So Craig was a big Eddie Van Halen fan. He posted his versions of the old, not versions, but his songs, original songs, in the old Van Halen style, which everybody says is better or some crap. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a mm. bucket of notes in this one and a bucket of notes in that one. So the person who ran the official fan page for them mm. contacted him, asked if he could use his recordings on the fan page and that he could put a, a bio about him and sell his downloadable songs on the fan page. Yeah. 
So that really helped our Craig, you know, mm -hmm. to have uh, Eddie Van Halen's fans listen to him, to his songs in the old style. But it's not just reminiscent. He's really good. Mm -hmm. But he plays other kinds of music, too. So I thought, well, he, he knows how to play. People respect him. He does a good job. He's quicker than hell in that studio. Mm -hmm. He has tape. He has uh, all the Pro Tools top stuff. And he's just great at what he does. And he's a player and a, and a, and a writer. So it's not just like somebody, well, I think we should put more tambourine here. Yeah. <laughs> put a tambourine in that tuba. More cowbell. <laughs> and um, so that's how I met him. He did a great job on Handsome Wolf, paid for it, had the rights for a year to it, to shop it. We signed out over 100. Nobody wanted it. Then later, all these people are saying, it's still not officially released. Mm -hmm. uh, neither are the other two that, that I did there, mm -hmm. singing on song and The Innocent Remains. But now people are saying, well, this is very powerful record right up front, all this stuff. People that get a hold of it, but it's never even been reviewed, you know? Mm -hmm. What musicians played on that uh, Handsome Wolf album? Oh, on the Handsome Wolf, it was Mike Hightower and Joey from the Top Jimmy Band. Yeah. It was cut live. There's just two little overdubs, mm -hmm. a backup behind an intro. And that C, G, C, That's it. And then a rhythm behind the solo. And then that was it. And then an overdub solo in the next to the last song called uh, The Fool That I Am. And the solo, done in one take, sounds like a concert master wrote it to touch every part mm -hmm. of a chord, of a movement. Mm -hmm. of a, it's, just, it's perfect. The solo was done in one take. As soon as it was done, we just went, we all just- That's the one. Was, it was good. <laughs> yeah. I even, even I thought it was good. And- um, it's a beautiful solo. It's like it has the same beauty as something in the way she moves. Uh -huh. But Handsome Wolf was recorded live, mixed by Mark Lynette. It was recorded by Craig Parker Adams, who who produced it. He put my name on it too. Who produced it at Winslow Court Studios, which is one of the old RCA buildings. It was a Foley room. Mm -hmm. the, the, you take out the floor, and there's this orchestra pit to be a screen oh, wow. there. Yeah. And Liberace owned it for years. Mm. They said overdub Sinatra strings there if they couldn't, you know, mm. if the orchestra didn't do them all at once. And um, a pretty historic place. He's been there for 15, 18 years. At first, it was just his studio for his music and not even thinking of a business. Mark Lynette and Steve Berlin, my old sax player, back in the 80s, got together as a team, a production team. They looked for bands. The first one they, they got was Translator from up here. They produced a record for them and sold the contract. Mm -hmm. Went on to the next one. Mark Lynette has since become the premier mixer in the world. He redid that whole Beach Boys catalog. Oh, okay. Wow. Remixed yeah, yeah. and remastered it. Took two and a half years mm -hmm. with Brian Wilson at his house. That's a, that's a major project, yeah, with Brian Wilson. With a psychiatrist. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just the greatest. Uh, it was mastered at Melrose Mastering on Melrose by Mark Williams. And we said, make it as loud and as upfront as you can. So he took the loudest record ever made, mm -hmm. Slade. Remember them? Yeah. yeah. And, had <laughs> he, and, he, and he brought in another exact duplicate of his setup. And, and, and Craig paid for it. Set it up. So he A-B'd it. Mm -hmm. A-B. Check number A. That's Slade. Go to B. Make it as loud as that. Go back. Check it. 
go to the end, check it, you know, go to the, mm-hmm. and um, it's mixed, it's mixed very violently, very <laughs> upfront, very strong with as much presence and rawness as like fresh cream it might have had back mm-hmm. in the 60s by Gary Clapton, Ginger Baker, and Jack Bruce. And um, it never got anywhere. Yeah. Now people are loving it. Mm-hmm. But after a year, all the rights reverted to me, which my daughter owns all my music. Okay. Uh, Eloise, it's called Little Pie Music. And uh, so uh, I just get money from CD sales and uh, yeah. gigs, and she, she, she gets that. Mm-hmm. She, she's an art director mm-hmm. on the Discovery Channel yeah, right now. Working on a. Unusual suspects, right? Unusual suspects, which should probably run across a picture of me at a crime scene. <laughs> That's my dad. Oh no! <laughs> Put a bag on that picture. So um, now that's a great record. I think it's a good record. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it in the in the in the blues rock genre. It's it's more presence than Slade. It's more presence than mm-hmm. when they than anything in a contained room. Mm-hmm. Or a big room. Yeah. If you know what I'm talking about, recording techniques, tape or digital. Mm. It's big. Then I did two acoustic records with him there. I had Mark Doten from Double Knot Spy Car. You know, you know what Double Knot Spy Car is? Mm-mm. Jethro Bodine, Beverly Hills, Hillbilly, Beverly Hillbilly. Yeah, yeah. That old show. Mm-hmm. Jethro wanted to be a spy, so he went to spy school. <laughs> right? They were millionaire, yeah, yeah. billionaire hillbillies in the, in the thing. Living in Beverly Hills and causing havoc wherever they go because they were dressed like, well, like you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so all of a sudden, um, he says, I'm going to be a, a spy, a detective. He goes, and, and then he fixed up the um, the uh, the family car as a, a spy car. Yeah. It's a double knot spy car. <laughs> so that's where that came from. There's a great musicians in that band. Mark Doton, a record producer who produced uh, Straight from the Heart and, and Hell Can Wait. Okay, for, yeah. for my for my nephew and I, yeah. Damon Ayala and myself, and um, he's in he's in that band, Double Knot Spy Car. They just do in, instrumentals, and they are into microtones like crazy, mm-hmm. like David Lindy kind of thing. But really good as a group, not just mm-hmm. some guys backing them up. And um, and then uh, so that's him on the bass and percussions with me and some backup, and Vince McRooney, the sax player from the Atomic Sher- Sherpas. And from um, from the Downbeats, a jazz band of his, Vince is the sax player on and the harmonica player on Hell Can Wait. Okay. Yeah. And, and led the horn arrangements. And so he's a great player. If you listen to the horn sections on that, which I came up with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can read and write, finally. But the acoustic record, singing on a song. Okay, that's, that's the title cut. In my life, well, I've had trouble. Ba-boom. Ba-da-da-da-da. And you know I've done my time. My greatest love is my child. I've got to ease my worried mind. And the mm. next time it's, I still sing an honest song. It's always in there, the title mm. of the record. Um, and with Vince Megrooney on one song on harp, just, just campfire harp, mm-hmm. blowing it whole notes in and out, singing backups. Now, Vince can sight read flute and sax and all. So I so in flute I put it in pitch, not yeah, not B flat like a sax, and put it in and wrote out what he was supposed to sing, with a concert C. So he'd go da 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 with the flute, and then come back with 
I still sing and get it nail every line one after the other without stopping. Mm-hmm. So that was, he's really good, you know, and he's yeah. a good singer. And then uh, the last record, The Innocent Remains, there's a song on there that I wrote the day before I recorded it called uh, When I Was Young. What a life I've lived through now, filled with joy and pain. Boom, boom. Only to forsake myself the same mistakes again. Guess I've got to let that go. The innocent remains. When I was young, when I was young, that, that, that comes into the mm -hmm. song. And Vince thought it was a really good song, so I guess it's a good song. All my songs are true stories about real people. This leads into my uh, next question. I like to ask everybody, and you know, just answer it however you want. What does music mean to you? Kept me from getting killed when I was a kid, and there were gangs everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Plus, I was a big monster kid. Yeah. I was a bulldog. <laughs> when, we, when we played football, like three guys would hit me, then they'd have me, but I'd drag them another 20 yards. <laughs> they'd have to hit my legs to get me down. I was crazy tight as a rail, but I wasn't violent. Mm. I was just physical. I didn't know any better. I was a dumb kid. And, um, so music helped me express myself because I don't do much talking, believe it or not, unless it's an interview. <laughs> yeah. Unless I'm making fun of somebody. I'm a real idiot. I always stoop to the nearest joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a way of getting through things. I like playing. I like writing. I like listening to something and knowing what it is as soon as I hear it. Mm -hmm. Breaking it down or listening to it or understanding the lyrics, more importantly now. Mm -hmm. It's a way of looking at things, I guess. I don't know. Now, you also, I noticed on uh, the albums that I listen to, uh, love is a big theme for you. Can you talk about that a little bit? Why do you write so many love songs? Well, I'm into safe sex, so go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> because it's true. Mm -hmm. All my songs are true stories. Yeah. The songs I wrote with Marcella, I wrote a lot of good songs. Songs I wrote about people in the past. Songs I wrote about people that want to meet or the type of people. Or observations. They're all true stories about something mm -hmm. from me, around me, through me. What's next for you? I know you're on tour right now. A little mini tour of uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, Bill, Bill, Bill Macbeth, the, the bass player who used to own the Ivy Room and then sold all that stuff, calls it the dive bar tour. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a picture. Uh, probably you can take a picture of. <laughs> and um, my head looks like a pumpkin with a hat on. <laughs> When you get back to Highland Park, what's uh, what are you going to be working on? Another album or no? I've got to rehearse for a gig on the sixteenth. Okay, my bass player won't be back till the seventeenth. The fucking whore. <laughs> his, his name is Mike Hightower. He's he's the bass player on Handsome Wolf. Great mm -hmm. bass player, sings harmonies, and everybody tells him there's no harmonies in blues. He goes, listen to Carlos Guitarlos. Yeah. <laughs> now uh, Mike can grab a song out of the air right right away if I'm playing it. He never. I never have to show him anything, unless it's a specific line like the intro to uh, Heartbreaker. Boom, boom, ba da boom, 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 ba ba boom, 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 ba ba boom, 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 boom.
He's a good bass player, so everybody wants him to play. He plays every night of the week. But if I have a gig, he'll, he'll send, send it a sub. But it's like every bass player who comes they're just sluts, you know? <laughs> well, the good ones get a lot of gigs, that's for sure. Good ones need to play with one band to get it to be better. So he's over there, so he can't do the gig in the 16th. To benefit for a film by Tony Berrios, who, uh, who along with, I forgot the other guy's name, they have another project called Down the Highway. Mm -hmm. Look it up. And it's um, interviewing musicians all over the country. Starting out with like John and X Scene and just uh, the roots people and the, the beginning people from there all over the mm -hmm. scene, different scenes. And so he wanted to, me to do a little bit of an interview. And then I started yammering like this and not being able to put it into any kind of segment. He says, I'm going to do a documentary of, about you. Mm -hmm. So he's getting money for that and that's going to start up. Oh, that's great. Yeah. By Tony Berrios. Mm hmm. But I'm going to be on that show down the highway. I've got the, the guy's name that does the interviews and plays well, does, mm -hmm. plays with every artist in, like in their backyard or something, uh, not on stage. So I'm going to do that and get ready for that gig and just write more songs. I write songs all the time. Mm -hmm. I, write, I have maybe over 200 classical pieces mm. written out for all the instruments. Mm -hmm. I've got um, folk songs, hundreds of them, good mm -hmm. ones. I have a song called... Uh, Hope this is in tune. This is about the Highway of Hope, Route 66, uh -huh. right out of the Dust Bowl. I don't know if it's in tune or not. There it is. On the Highway of Hope, I'm on my last mile. Life is so hard, pressed for a smile. Lost in the world, still like a child. Oh, 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 something like that. That's a folk song mm, I wrote. Nice. And uh, I have hundreds of those, or mm -hmm. hundreds of New Orleans style, or oldies, or rock songs. Uh, you, you name any kind of American music, and I got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're all true stories. Mm -hmm. I've been playing since I was a kid, since I was ten, March eighteenth, nineteen sixty, when I got mm -hmm. home from school at three fifteen p.m. My mom had a guitar there that she got from Robert Acosta's father. And a few years after he was, after he passed away, my little, my little brother ran into the house crying because he saw him across the street coming down the stairs without any feet, <laughs> floating down the stairs with his work clothes he always wore and his, and his lunch pail. He was mm. still going to work for his family. Mm. Wow. My, my brother saw it. I, I know he saw it. He was <laughs> shaken up. Yeah, yeah. Good story. Because he knew he knew he, he was dead. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's who we got the guitar from, from Robert Acosta's father. Anything else? Did we uh, miss anything that you want to talk about? I'll tell you about a story. Sure. Jimmy and, Jimmy and I were on a tour, the only tour the Rhythm Pigs ever did of any note, in 1988 or something, right when we released uh, Pigus Drunkus Maximus, Maximus, which told the story of the whole band. <laughs> well, what, what were they like? They were pigs, and they were drunk. <laughs> When? Uh, why? All Maximus, all yeah. the time. Um, so uh, we were on tour on the East Coast. The night before, Jimmy, he's passed away now, so I can talk about him. Mm. I love him, but he's gone. And uh, Jimmy was being an asshole to everybody. He, he threw a bottle on the floor in front of a cop. Fuck you if I can't drink it. You can have it. Blam at his mm. feet. He goes, no, young man. He, the cop goes and gets a broom. He's an old, old sheriff. And cleans it up. 
Now you just go sing your songs now. <laughs> and uh, he was so cool. He he was like Aunt May- Andy of Mayberry RFT. Mm-hmm. He he could have busted him big time. Uh, he was a cool cop. He understood that we were out in the road. And this guy was nuts. We were all nuts. So all night long, we're, we're driving to go to Baltimore the next day and wake up there because it was a long drive from the previous gig. Mm-hmm. So we go to Baltimore. And we're in this fog. We're driving. We're real tense. We can't see. The whole time, Jimmy's blaring the top of his lungs, yelling about things and fuck you and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Like he's sitting in a trailer, you know? And um, like on My Name is Earl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he was, just, he, was, he was a smart guy, just homegrown. So finally, he falls asleep. And we're like, ah. <sighs> Peace and quiet, finally. <laughs> we're, we're almost in a daze. It's so peaceful. And we're driving in the fog, straining to go 10 feet at a time, ready to be killed at any moment. And, and I say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn on the radio and blast it <laughs> to piss off Jimmy. He was asleep yeah. for half an hour. Yeah. It's 6.30, in the morning. And I turn on the radio. And at the same time, I start singing, from the coast of California to the shores of the Delaware Bay, as loud as I can, a Chuck Berry mm-hmm. song. And... The radio goes on. I'm singing the same song that's on the radio at the same timbre as Chuck Berry. Every word is captured. It sounds like it locks. Yeah. It doesn't lock. It's there when it's when the radio's on. Mm-hmm. So the radio's on, blaring. I'm singing at the top of my loud lungs. It's in perfect sync. But from the coast of California to the shores of the Delaware Bay, the, the fog opens up, and there it is. Bridge and the Delaware Bay, it says. <laughs> at the same time, the Delaware Bay word was, was said. Yeah. It all happened at once. So then it was synchronicity. But then it was double synchronicity. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's something, huh? Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I got a million stories, actually. <laughs> I remember one time my friend Nels and I were uh, driving up from San Diego when the Brotherhood was a, not, it was not a prison gang. It was a gang of brothers, kind of like the Diggers. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't even talk about them on the radio. Wow. <laughs> Get you in trouble. <laughs> so, um, so we took some samples. Supposed to take them to I shouldn't. Well, oh hi. I'm not gonna mention the guy's name though. Mm-hmm. Um, but on but on the way we're hitchhiking, of course. And I put all the the sheets in my Stratocaster under the pick guard mm-hmm. tape to the back corner. So when you lift it up, look inside. You can't see it unless you get farther inside mm-hmm. or take it all off. So it's this purple dot, real purple dot, put on paper, mm-hmm. and then we, we so we're, we're hitchhiking up, and I forgot what Oceanside or some town right on the beach. We're sitting there. Well, we don't have a ride. We don't have any food. We're da 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 da, and all of a sudden, this guy is swimming naked in the ocean is being surrounded by two lifeguards, big guys, <laughs> holding him, choking him, pounding his head and face, mm. instead of just like you're under arrest, come with us. Yeah or you're, you're, we're going to talk to the cops. They started beating the crap out of him because he had long hair. Mm. And uh, this is back in the 60s or 70s. And so Nels and I, when they get on shore and they're still pounding on him, we go there and, I won't say the word sight, but we get <laughs> things going and it's just like a protest. Mm-hmm. But then <coughs> they, they were afraid, so they raged in. Pretty soon down this wooden plank, sidewalk it's an old little quaint seaside town 
you can see these guys running in formation. Three, three across, dress helmets, battle shields, mm-hmm. batons, uh, gas masks, vest, everything early on, right? And we see them running down a whole bunch of them, about 30 of them. And, they, and, and they're so hot in the summer, August, that you don't see their feet. They're, they're like disappearing into the, into the heat. The heat waves. You know, little, little snippets. So they come running down, and we just get everything going then. And then just when, then just where they're, when they're about to realize that we're the ones, that, uh, these two girls screech up, come on with us. <laughs> we jump in their car. They take us home. They lay us. They feed us. They give us money and send us off the next morning. <laughs> so Nels and I used to, stuff like that would happen to Nels and I all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Quite the adventure, huh? Every day? <laughs> Two or three times a month. Yeah, yeah. When I, when I you would hang out with Nels. Yeah. And he's still like that when I hang out with him. <laughs> he's like this magical mystery tour. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Carlos, for your time. And uh, wish you luck on the rest of your uh, tour. All right, well, thank you. Okay. Don't forget to buy my CDs. Go to... Uh, yeah, where can we go to... Uh, get, get a hold of me. Get a hold of you, yeah. Guitarlos.carlos at gmail.com. G-U-I-T-A-R-L-O-S dot C-A-R-L-O-S at gmail. X-Con. I mean, dot com. <laughs> And uh, and I'll send them off to you. And your uh, main webpage is carlosguitarlosmusic.com? Something like that. My, yeah. my girlfriend can, Cheryl does all that. Okay. I don't know how to do anything. And then you're also on Facebook as well. I've never uh, seen it. Never seen it. All right. But Fair enough. I, but she does all this. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, get a hold of me, folks. Buy some CDs. They're actually good records. I have another CD with Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs that Ray Manzarek played on and paid for that was never released, but we don't have that out. Nobody has it out. And I did a record with Marcy Levy, along with Jim Keltner, Hutch Hutchinson, and Johnny Lee Shell, the number one r- rhythm players in the, in, the, in the world. Now, Marcy and I did a song called Love, to, Love Together mm-hmm. on the Singing on a Song. It's like a Beatles, uh, Buddy Holly, Beatle Victim song. And Jim Keltner's recorded it and, and he goes that sounds like a Wilbury song and I didn't know he could hear me yeah, yeah. Marcy and I were behind glass he was in the main room and uh, I said not me and I said what the hell does he know about the Wilburys thinking this is the busiest drummer in the world mm-hmm. the most famous rock drummer blues mm-hmm. any drummer in the world right the, the number one guy and then the engineer says Carl uh, he was in the Wilburys. Can we go along with the song, please? And everybody was laughing at me. The people that worked there, you could hear it pumped into the hall. They were laughing. They would take their head and ah. And Jim Keltner was laughing so hard. And everybody and Marcy was going, what an idiot. What an idiot. I didn't know. But yeah. after five days of, of, of recording, Jim Keltner liked my song so much, mm-hmm. didn't charge a penny. Charge him almost 400 bucks to set up the drums and tune him mm-hmm. and come back and tune him every day. He didn't yeah. charge me a penny. That's pretty good, right? That's, that's, that's a bargain, yeah. yeah. Well, no, because of him, he's a great drummer. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. He, he likes the song. Be mine. Let's take a walk and see what we can find. Stay together in our right mind. Love together would be so fine. Love together would be mine. Take 
up part two of the interview with Carlos Guitarlist. Thanks for checking out Music Live Radio. I'm your host, Dan Sauter, and we'll catch you next time.